folks, welcome back to Make My Multiversity Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me is just me this week. Uh, this is the beginning of our new era of Make My Multiversity, an era in which we are twice monthly, and so this is the first episode of Make My Multiversity as we transition to a twice monthly podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at, in the first half of the episode, some of Marvel's uh, news and a little bit about their at their uh, January 2020 solicitations. The first half of all of these, uh, f- what are going to be first Friday of the month episodes, so this one is coming out on the second Friday of the month of November. What's going to be happening on these? the first part of these first Friday episodes is uh, I'll be talking some about news. I'll have some other guests from the Multiversity Comics family to have other conversations as they come up, and we'll have all sorts of exciting material coming your way in the future. The second half of this episode is really, really exciting. The hosts of the DC3 cast, our sister show on Multiversity Comics, which is a weekly show that covers uh, all of DC's comics, uh, in case that wasn't implied in the name. Uh, Vince, Brian, and Zach, they will be talking about the first few issues of all the Dawn of X books. And they'll be doing that the first Friday of every month. So you can check them out um, here in this feed. They had so much fun doing their House of X Powers of Ten talk on uh, the DC3 cast that they decided to continue doing some of that. And it was it, it just so uh, happened that it, it, it uh, corresponded with us having conversations about what it would look like for our show to be twice monthly. So we're really excited about that and excited about all the the things that are coming from Make My Multiversity. Our regular third Friday episodes will continue to be Jess and I, and we'll be reviewing uh, some of Marvel's biggest books from the last couple weeks. That won't change. We just want to talk about news, so we'll have more time to talk about the comics that you've been reading and the exciting things that are happening in the Marvel Universe. Uh, but with that, the transition to news things. Uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, um, Marvel uh, announced a ton of new titles at a London at MCM London Comic-Con, um, and they're some really big books, and so we decided to, uh, to talk about them, talk about them here, so we had more time to talk about comics uh, come next week. So Marvel announced uh, first off that Jonathan Hickman would be writing and relaunching a giant size X-Men, a title that is uh, historic and pivotal in X-Men history, launched in, in first in 1975. But Hickman's bringing giant size X-Men back, and every issue is going to be focused on a different cast of characters with a different uh, art art team. So the first issue will be focusing on Jean Grey and Emma Frost, and it's going to be illustrated by Russell Dodderman and colored by Matt Wilson. Uh, this is a really uh, exciting um, artistic uh, team. Uh, Dodderman was, you know, on Jason Aaron's uh, Thor stuff and then on War of the Realms. He was one of the artists that I was really excited about to hopefully get to be a part of this uh, Dawn of X era. And I'm super glad that he's going to get to do something with Hickman. I actually kind of thought that Dodderman might be the person who would launch X-Men number one um, instead of, of, of Little U, but... Uh, it's exciting that he's getting to do um, to do this book, and it'll be fun to have a rotating cast of characters and a rotating cast of artists. It'll be, I think, hopefully, have uh, bringing the opportunity for Hickman to bring in some of his artistic collaborators that um, he's worked with on some of his image books and some other things that are perhaps maybe not artists that could commit to doing a full series. So people like uh, Nick Dragota or like Nick 
uh, like Nick Patara, uh, Dustin Weaver, these people who have worked with Hickman in the past, um, but are currently, well, uh, uh, Dragota's finishing East of West, but uh, you get you get the point. So this is a big, big fun thing. The other big X-Men news that was announced at uh, the London Comic Con was that we're getting a four-issue X-Men Fantastic Four series that is going to... Um, crossover the x-men and the fantastic four it'll pick up on that thread from the first issue of house of x where uh cyclops was talking to the fantastic four and telling them that uh that their son that reed and sue's son franklin richards who is a mutant was welcome on krakoa at any time he's one of the omega level mutants and he seems to be the only omega level mutant that's allied with the humans still at this point so it's going to be about franklin and whether or not he's going to get to come or wants to come live on uh, on Krakoa. It's going to be written by Chip Zdarsky, illustrated by uh, Terry and Rachel Dotson, and then colored by Laura Martin. Um, so this is the first true miniseries that's been announced in the Dawn of X era. I guess, you know, not counting House of X and Powers of Ten, um, which that's cool in and of itself. It seems like this is the first book that's kind of been born out of the fact that this relaunch has already been like uber successful. Um, so it's exciting that Zdarsky's going to get to play in this world. He's like one of, of, of mine. And, and I, I think Jess is, as we've talked about on the show before, favorite uh, writers at Marvel at the moment. And um, it'll be really cool to get to see him play with the Fantastic Four again. He did some great work on Marvel 2 and 1 um, right before the Fantastic Four relaunched in the... Um, in the Marvel Legacy uh, era, and so it's exciting that he'll get to be back here. And the Dotsons, like, who have really just done cover work um, in the last few years, I think, for the most part, to uh, to come back and do some interior work. So this is going to be really, really exciting. I do want to point out, at this point, um, there are nine X-Men books that have been announced. So we have X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Force, Fallen Angels, Wolverine, Giant Size X-Men, and then X-Men Fantastic Four. There are nine books that are set to be published in the coming months. Currently, all the first six of those books um, are being published twice monthly. Come December and January, both the original six Dawn of X books will be published twice monthly. They'll, they'll all be in their sixth issues. Uh, presumably, I would think when Wolverine launches in February, it'll also be a twice monthly book. I don't know that Giant Size X-Men and X-Men Fantastic Four will be, but we have the, at a minimum then, the number of issues of X-Books that will be published in February is 16, and at the maximum, it's 18 or more. There might be some one-shots and some other weirdness that we don't know about. And so I'm curious, and you can uh, you can chat with us on Twitter, you can leave your notes in the comments of our posts on Multiversity Comics, what you all think about the line the Dawn of X line expanding so rapidly at this point. Um, I'm curious, and I'm curious how that conversation is going. Even though all the books so far have been really, really exciting and really good, um, does it uh, change how you're thinking about things? That there's now, um, you know, 16 books competing for your money, almost $50 a month doing Hickman X-Men things. Um, other news coming out of the London Comic Con: uh, Spider-Man Noir is getting a new miniseries, sort of uh, uh, spinning out of the character's success in last year's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, uh, which we now know the sequel date of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's going to be coming out April eighth, twenty twenty-two, which is really exciting. 
Um, and then also the character has been featured in the recent Spider-Verse miniseries that Marvel's been putting out. Uh, this series is going to be written by Margaret Stoll, who was writing Captain Marvel before Kelly Thompson, and illustrated by Juan Ferreira, who is one of my favorite artists that Marvel's had uh, doing things in the last um, couple of years. He did that great run with Ben Percy on Green Arrow at DC Comics, and then came over to Marvel and has done Killmonger and then the Punisher Kill Crew book, and now this. So he's getting to work on some exciting miniseries. He's getting to stress or stretch his um, artistic talents on some fun stuff. Um, and it looks like this book is going to be all in black and white because of Spider-Man Noir. So I think it's really going to fit to sort of um, Ferrara, uh, Ferrara's like horror and um, sort of like those kinds of, of like street level, but also horror vibes that he can get into. So it's going to be exciting. We have two new Conan books coming out, and I only mention those uh, because of the writing uh, talent that is attached to those books. Uh, there's a Dark Agnes book, which is another sort of um, Robert E. Howard character who is launching in the upcoming, uh, or is going to be debuting in the Marvel Universe in the upcoming Conan Serpent War book that's starting in, I think, December. Um, this book is a five-issue miniseries. It's going to be written by Becky Cloonan, which is exciting. It's her first uh, uh, Marvel um ongoing or longer than like one shot or like a part of a story or whatever thing since she finished her Punisher run uh, and then illustrated by Luca Pizarra. There's also a book Conan Battle for the Serpent Crown which is being launched by writer Saladin Ahmed who is doing some good work over on Miles Morales and then illustrated that book's gonna be illustrated by Luke Ross and that'll see uh, Conan take on Mephisto so if you ever wanted to see a caveman in Vegas here's your chance. Another series announced, uh, Bleeding Cool covered it at the Comic-Con, but it wasn't formally announced until later. Um, there's a new, a new Ant-Man book, Ant-Man book that is coming um, come February from writer Zeb Wells and the art team of Dylan Burnett and Mike Spicer. It's uh, featuring Scott and Casey Lane. Um, they're going to be taking on AIM. We know that there's an Ant-Man 3 movie coming because Michael Douglas uh, said something about it recently that we, he said, I think that movie is going to be filming in January of 2021, which means that there's an Ant-Man 3 coming in the fifth, Jesus Christ, phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so exciting that Scott Lang is going to get some more stuff. He hasn't really had, I don't think he's had a book or sort of like a pivotal role in a lot of things since, I guess since Nick Spencer finished his Ant-Man run right before Secret Empire, which was a couple years ago. Um, I really liked Dylan Burnett and, uh, and Mike Spicer. I loved them doing their Cosmic Ghost Rider stuff and a lot of the other things that they've done with uh, Donny Cates has been really, really cool. Um, I wasn't so much of a fan of the X-Force book that Burnett did. I thought it was like really kind of scratchy and, and I, but I think it was because that book seemed a lot more grounded. And so this book being sort of weird sci-fi um like fun uplifting colorful ant-man-y weird stuff i think uh will lend itself to burnett's talents um perhaps a little bit more wells is sort of a, a an unknown for me i don't know that i've ever read anything by him but he has the, the spider by spider ham book coming also soon um so exciting uh my check out probably will check out the first issue and read it uh, on this show uh, lastly, last bit of news, um, Marvel announced an anthology series that is coming. We don't have an exact um, release date for when the series is going to start, but it's going to be six issues. It's going to be just called Marvel, and it's going to be curated by uh, legendary artist uh, Alex Ross, which is um, super, super cool. Ross um, 
did and was doing the or did the Marvels book with Kurt Busiek in the '90s at at Marvel, um, and they're doing a sequel to that um, currently. Um, he also did Kingdom Come and another a number of other fun miniseries over at DC. He's got that really fun like fun is maybe the wrong word like really classic looking sort of like painterly style and so it's exciting that he's going to be writing and curating and and drawing probably some of this like anthology that's going to feature these different short stories from a number the announcements that a number of different writers that normally don't do comic stuff so presumably um you know like new york Times bestseller kind of like author like fictiony people um which is kind of cool it's always fun when Marvel brings in talent from other from other mediums, or at least I think so. You know, you can make the argument that there are a lot of people doing indie books that probably want to do those indie books, but maybe one day want to do big two books, if not because it's their dream, if only because like there might be some more money involved or like more benefits or whatever else. So, you know, having somebody who's in another medium who kind of gets to like swoop in and do whatever is a whole thing. But I think for the most part in recent years, the people that Marvel has brought in from these other mediums and these other places that have done books at Marvel, like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, E-Viewing, um, people uh, in that vein, uh, Rainbow Rainbow Rowell, they've done really, really great work and have done um, some of the best books that Marvel's been publishing. So this uh, could be really, really fun and a fun, like classic kind of anthology thing. Okay, that's it for all the news coming in the next couple of months. Uh, in, our on, in a brief ongoing segment, uh, that we're going to be doing in the first part of the show, we'll be previewing what is coming in the solicitations um, for all of the uh, the the coming months and things. So, uh, the January 2020 solicitations came out last week, um, and I'm going to be giving you kind of a brief uh, top five the things that I think that I'm the most excited about. And if there are things that you're really excited about, uh, you know, tweet on Twitter, use the hashtag Make Mind Multiversity, shout off in the comment section of our post on multiversitycomics.com, we would love to continue this conversation um, there. But, and also check out the soliciting multiversity columns that we do over at multiversitycomics.com. It's um, our chance uh, for people to look at, at the solicitations to do their sort of top 10 of what sticks out. Um, Robbie, who uh, was uh uh, has been a part of this show uh, before, has been on episodes uh, way, way, way back in the beginning uh, as a regular writer of that column, and he does a great job every month sort of giving you the highlights of what's coming. And he highlighted a lot more sort of one-shots and other fun things this month that I, um, well, frankly, I don't care that much about, but like they could have the potential to be really, really cool. So do check that out. But the, my sort of like top five things, um, not really in any order that I'm like really excited about for January uh, first and foremost, Donnie Cates and Nick Klein and Matt Wilson are relaunching Thor, and everything that I've seen of what is coming in the Thor stuff, the art style, the sort of like darker, um, like blues and purples and things that like Klein and Wilson are working with, I'm really really excited. And and Cates, uh, different than different than Jess and different um, than some of the people on, on Multiversity, has been has been doing work that I've really really liked over at Marvel. He's as we've talked about some on the show, he's like a very, very competent writer. And like, I think that sort of the uh, like fantasy um, adventure, like grimy sort of fantasy adventure, whatever stuff that he and like, like a little bit edgy, almost religious stuff that he does is stuff that I'm really, really into as somebody who um, uh, is in a graduate program for um, religion. So like uh, uh, Silver Surfer Black just finished up recently and we'll probably talk about that. 
come uh, our next episode. But the ending of that book really, really got me, and I, I loved it. So I'm excited about this Thor run. Uh, next up, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is also relaunching. Al Ewing and Juan Cabal are taking over from Donny Cates. Uh, Ewing has been doing the work of his career over on Immortal Hulk recently. I finally had the opportunity to catch up on that book, and you were all right. I'm an idiot for having slept on it. It's wonderful. It's horror-filled. It's weird. And, like, I don't know that I've ever cared about the Hulk, um, and I don't know that I care about the Hulk now, but, like, there's sort of the, like, supernatural evil part of it. And then, like, there's Bruce Banner, and then there's, like, things about fate, and there's things about psychology, and there's all these other different things that, like, are going on that I think it's, like, really, really cool and bombastic. And so um, I'm excited about this Guardian stuff. I'm excited about what it means for, like, 2020 of Marveldom as the uh, incoming um, book comes out at the end of this year. And uh, since Ewing was is, like, attached to that and was really attached to the Marvel Comics 1000 stuff, this is going to be uh, potentially really exciting. Uh, a miniseries that you might have slept on a little bit is there's going to be an Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle five-issue miniseries that's coming starting in January, written by Matt Johnson, illustrated by Mac Chatter. Uh, it's sort of a weaving in between of some threads that are going on in the Amazing Spider-Man book and in Daredevil. And Daredevil, outside of the X-Men stuff, is the book that I'm the most excited about at Marvel right now. It's really, really good. Zdarsky and Mark, Marco Cicchetto and Jorge Fornes are doing like great, great work over there. Um, and so it's going to be cool um, seeing uh, them write about Wilson, like th- seeing this book navigate those two books, uh, writing about like Wilson Fisk, like looking into like what it means to be a newsroom probably in this day and age. I think that's going to be some of sort of the commentary and conversation. Uh, and I think it's going to be really cool. So I'm definitely I'm excited about at least the first issue of this book. Uh, a uh, couple smaller things um, over in the Jane Foster Valkyrie book. Uh, the solicitation previewed a team called Marvel's Mightiest Medics, which just sounds bonkers and fun. And that book has been really, really enjoyable and has continued sort of the spirit of Aaron's Thor run, Jason Aaron's Thor run, which I've like, again, has been one of my favorites. And then finally, for all of you that have slept on the Dawn of X books or would like to consume them in this way, uh, soon, uh, it was in the January solicitations. I, I don't know what the exact release date is. Um, Marvel is publishing a Dawn of X um, volume one. It's going to feature the first issue of all of the Dawn of X books. So the first issue of X-Men, the first issue of Marauders, the first issue of Excalibur, the first issue of X-Force and New Mutants and Fallen Angels all in one title. It's unclear if they're going to continue to publish, uh, okay, coming out in February, February 19th. Um, it's unclear if they're going to continue to publish uh, these volumes, like with the second issues, or if they'll publish trades of like the individual series, or if they'll probably, if they'll do both or some sort of whatever thereof. Um, but I think this is a cool way to consume um, these titles, especially um, with how good, um, how good all the books have been. Uh, three little small things. Uh, that I think are also really cool to point out. Jorge Fornes is coming back on Daredevil, which I'm really excited about. Um, R.B. Silva is going to be on X-Men, on X-Men number five in January. R.B. Silva was the artist on Powers of Ten. Um, and and him and Pepe Larraz just did like the best work ever on House of X and Powers of Ten. And so I'm excited that uh, Silva's coming back. I want both of them to be on books in this world, and I don't know where they went, and it makes me sad. Um, and then finally, uh, Marvel is publishing these five, um, one shots called, um, 
with the end as the subtitle like the end as the subtitle not like the end this is not the end of the podcast that we're getting there um and the doctor strange one looks really interesting it's written by leah williams and illustrated by felipe andrade um the other ones look kind of cool too this is sort of a um a trope that marvel did um a while ago they're bringing it back um for sort of this like this era but that's of those that's the one that i'm most excited about okay that was a lot of news that was a lot of uh material um we hope that you'll uh tweet at us uh converse with us let us know what you think about our twice monthly status what do you want to see from make my multiversity um in the future you can find me on twitter at kb gregory 13 and jess at jess cam nj uh i'm gonna take a quick break you won't hear from me again but when the commercial ends you'll be hearing from zach brian and vince as they talk more about the dawn of x era so folks we'll see you next week and thank you for listening Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. Do not adjust your podcasts. The DC3 is taking over. Make my multiversity. Sorry, Kevin. Just kidding. It's uh, it's the... I don't even know what we're calling this. <laughs> what is the name of our segment, guys? Uh, uh, the Marvel 3 cast. <laughs> How creative! The 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 Doc C three cast. Imagine what if? <laughs> Imagine what if Stanley created the DC three cast? There we go. Yes, that's, there we go. Okay, that's it. Welcome to Imagine What If the Stanley created the DC three cast. I'm Brian. With me as always are Vincent Zach. Uh, we're gonna be stopping by this show once a month to talk about the Dawn of X titles. I'm sure Kevin's gonna have a lot more to say about them as well. But we're gonna add, add our little take here, and so. Uh, first up is the, uh, I, I guess the first issue of what we're calling the flagship book. Is is that a correct title? You think? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, and that is X Men number one. Um, we should say that if, if for some reason you haven't, uh, or I guess if you have interest in hearing us talk about uh, sort of the house of x powers of 10 stuff we've been doing these on the dc3 cast for the last few months so if you want to go back and listen to our thoughts go ahead you don't have to to catch up with what we're talking about here but um but yeah so we got uh x-men number one and um this book is monthly correct i believe so semi i think hickman said that there were going to be like somewhere between maybe like somewhere between 12 and 16 issues a year okay uh, is written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated yeah, by yeah. Uh, Lionel. Lionel, I always mispronounce his first name. Lionel Francis Yu. Um and this book just basically puts us outside of Krakoa for the first time, and sort of gives us a little bit more of what's going on with these mutants outside of just the fact that we're all together, we're all in Krakoa. Um, let's not bury the lead here. 
Scott, Logan, and Gene are definitely fucking. They're fucking. For sure. For They're sure. a throuple. They have uh, they have rooms that are connected to each other. They're all living what together. A, what a great detail that is. It's such a weird, amazing detail that I don't really... like. I kind of hope that it's never addressed. I kind of people hope it's just on the, the internet are very upset about it. What are they upset about? It, exactly. Which means it's good. Which means it's good. What about it? Uh, people are going to be mad about things. The kind yeah. of people who who reply in, in bleeding cool comment sections are upset about it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know what I want? I want just in some future issue. For somebody to, you know, have to burst into Scott or Gene's room or whatever, and it's like in Scott Pilgrim where, like, they're in bed, and then all of a sudden you see Logan's head pop up, too. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I, yes. I know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, yes. Stephen Stills. No, no, Stephen yes. Stills in the band. No, Stephen Stills no, is the band. It's, uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, god damn it. It's his roommate. The other Culkin. Yes. Yeah, it's Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin in the film, Kieran yeah. Culkin. In the film, well, what the hell is his name in that? <laughs> quality content. I can't remember. Wallace. Wallace. Wallace Wells. Wallace Wells. Not to be confused with, with, with Wallace West, who's a, <laughs> a new kid. Not flash. to be confused with Wally West. Or, or Wally West. Yep, yep. Oh boy. Um. Anyway, so um. We. What was the standout moment of X Men number one for you guys, aside from the thruple revelation? Um, my take honestly is I don't think that there was a standout revelation there was just like I felt like this was a just kind of like very good level across the board you know good issue nothing too big just a lot of good moments yeah there was nothing there was nothing like too earth shattering but one moment that i really liked was uh all the kids thinking magneto's cool as shit <laughs> like, yeah they're all basically like we'll die for you <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and magneto just eating it up oh yeah for i am magneto let man run from me <laughs> that's right he tells them all to go clean their rooms and uh yeah. oh it's good. It's good. And uh, lots of new mutants. I'm excited about that. That's the best part of any new X-Men run to me is like all of the new young mutants who get introduced. Soon to be forgotten. Yes. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I'm 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 that's there's always well, there's always at least two or three that, you know, catch on and make it big and. You know, in this one, we've got Weird Squid Girl and the, the two shiny twins and Fireboy and Tall Girl and Gargoyle Girl. And there, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Uh, are, are we talking about Legion of Superheroes here? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I didn't say lad or last. But yeah, that's right. Um, that is kind of a thing that X-Men's been doing since Giant Size X-Men number one. Like Thunderbird was part of that team, you know, yeah. and uh, this is just what kind of happens in in X Men comics. We, we get these new characters, and then some become super important, some disappear forever, and then some are gold balls, which don't seem important for a couple of years, and then turn into very important characters later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Um, talking about uh, big important characters that don't show up until later, there are a couple things. One thing that is like a definite thing, and then another thing that I don't think is, but looks like. Um, so uh, in this like opening sequence where uh, Scott and Storm and, and Polaris are breaking into this uh, Orcus facility, um, they come across these pods that have mutants in them and they, they open one up and it's, it's the only one that is different. It doesn't have a mutant. It has a, um, post-human and, yeah. um, number one, uh, Hickman loves his, uh, monochromatic girls with, with, you know, either white hair and pitch black skin or reversed, you know, he, he, he has to have one in every story. Um, because in, in Avengers, he had Black Swan. And then in, um, I think there's a similar character in East of West. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has to do that. But apparently that is a, if not this exact character, a very similar character was in uh, Mike Carey's run on X-Men before it became X-Men Legacy. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 It's from the, I think it's, I think the storyline was called Supernova or supernovas and it had these these essentially like these people who were grown in like a time bubble um so tying back to that um but then there's a page where they're looking in the in the um pods and there's a character's silhouette that looks a lot like X Nilo from Hickman's Avengers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's him, but it looks exactly like him. Yeah. Good call. Uh, the only reason I don't think it's him is because, well, and of course Hickman could be lying, but he said that nothing will overtly, tie, yeah. overtly tie in as much as that. He said there'll be right. little bits and pieces, but nothing as overt as that. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. And I think that they do say that they're all mutants except for this post-human girl. So, But I just thought that silhouette was very distinctive. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the art? Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a huge U fan, but I think it's... I, I think it was decent. Mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen worse. You, I, there, there, there have been books where, uh, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like he was on several Ultimate Universe books. Yes, where I just he didn't was, like his art at all. He was even on some of Hickman's Avengers, like I was say, like during, yeah. uh, I think like particularly during uh, Infinity, and that I thought was not very good. Uh, yeah, it's it's clearly a. You know, I uh, I hate to to get this like petty and detailed with it, but like all the all the characters have pursed lips, like these like weird uh, lines on their face. There are like some Gary Frank faces. Yeah. <laughs> Did anybody else catch that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good call. Um. Yeah, but I, I, but I think it... like I think like he's. Uh, I think he uh, does have a flair for the dramatic in a good way. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think he does sort of really bombastic stuff very well. Uh, maybe that's the way you're you're describing it to Vince. Yeah. But um, 
I don't know if this is necessarily the issue that shows that off or not. Yeah, a little bit, I would say, in the beginning, but but yes. Uh-huh. So I think it'll be interesting to see sort of how that pans out in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if he'll be used well for that purpose. Yeah. Um, anything else to say? Vulcan's back. Um, Vulcan's back. He's good again. Yeah, about again. the whole the whole Summers family together that's, again. That's, yeah. Um, and I guess like the big revelation is that um, the Orca scientist, what's her name? Is it Greg? Yeah, Doctor Gregor. Yeah, she maybe has a way to resurrect humans. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna get into a resurrection arms race. Oh hell yeah! Which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like I, I like good first issue. Nothing. Again, like nothing groundbreaking, but as a piece of the overall story, it was good. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it gives us a good idea of sort of what the big themes are going to be going forward in this book for a little while. And that's, I guess, one of the more important things that this... Because because the other books have much flashier premises than this. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice that this just sort of sets a, a pretty clear... All right, here are the issues that are still important to us. Here are the things you're going to be enjoying as the series unfolds. Here are a couple little mysteries to think about, but nothing too big. And just, you know, just giving us a a nice grounded place to start from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's jump over to Marauders number one, uh, which is written by Jerry Duggan, illustrated by Matteo Loli. And uh, this is the team led by uh, Kate Pride, no longer Kitty. Yeah. And uh, Zach, you were saying off air that you weren't necessarily the biggest fan of this issue. I did say that. that was um, I okay. So one, it's I think it had a couple things going against it. One, it's the first non-Hickman issue we've gotten after 13 issues of pure Hickman and I feel like it has a pretty sharp tonal shift from Hickman stuff and it's just it's just like very noticeable so I think that on one hand colored my view a little bit um I thought that the you know on one hand I like that it kept it kept using a lot of the same um like style and iconography and and having the um the data pages but i kind of thought that they were underused and you know maybe to the point where it would have been better to not have them for the most part except for the ending which we we can talk about that in a minute yeah Um, those data pages were by far the most irreverent of any of them so far yes yeah yeah um and there were some other things, you know, focus, like, I love that it focuses on Kitty and I think highlighting her relationship with Storm and Emma is very good. 
but then kind of the other ancillary characters that are like falling in on this team just kind of stumble in and are just here by happenstance and you know it, it doesn't make a ton of sense but it's kind of like you know whatever it's fun it's dumb it's fine um so I, I guess that's kind of it. It feels like the least deliberate. It's I mean, it's just very unHickman, and to to follow, have it be the first non-Hickman book. I I feel like that was just accentuated. I wonder if that was purposeful. Maybe. You know, looking at all of the upcoming books, I kind of feel like this is the most unHickman one. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about that. Maybe. Vince, what'd you think uh, of this issue? I I think I, I I liked it considerably more than Zach, even though I agree with a lot of what he says. I think like it is the most unhickman. Um, but I, I think you kind of need a little bit of that, or at least I do. Um, because I love what Hickman's doing, but I don't want every book and all these writers to I, I appreciate a, a tonal shift. You know, and this book is pretty funny. There's there's a couple really funny moments. The irreverent data pages I, I I felt worked for me as a person who doesn't who doesn't need to read a ton of text in all of these books. You know, yeah. I, I I like the switch up. I appreciate it. Logan's shopping list was like worth the price of admission alone. Yes. Yes, um, that was the that was the good one. Nice Memphis shout out. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And I even I, I do agree with Zach that like uh, even the team coming together is is a bit of a stretch. But I superhero comics are a little bit of a stretch, and I feel like if, <laughs> if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have fun uh, reading this team, I don't always care that it comes together all that smoothly I, I just i just want fun adventure especially in a book like this that's on its face looks to be a little bit more swashbuckling and i am saying that because they're on a big pirate ship right um but you know i i just want them to take this team and have fun with it uh i love the mission statement that like if you can't make it to krakow we'll get you there whatever you know that's i i, I thought it was really fun and i appreciated the that it is different. Um, even if I largely agree with the, the, the facts that you're putting out, Zach. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to like make it clear. I did not enjoy it. I, I liked quite a bit of it. You did. The not art was enjoy really it. good. That's right. That's... The art, the art was really good. Yes, it was. I, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. And I think part of the reason I enjoyed it was, and this is not me shitting on DC for no reason, but I think in general, if this was a DC book, this issue would have taken an entire arc to get to. Mm. Like the mm, by the call. End, by the end of the issue, the team was established. The mission statement was very clearly laid out there. The char- the main character had their like moment in the spotlight, and we can get on with the business of getting to this book. And I'm I'm very very pleased about that. That's a really keen point i think yeah i didn't think about that but you certainly feel it yeah i'm just happy that it's it, it's that we can move on with the story and get to yeah the next thing. I, i'm kind of wondering if you know just judging by this and then the next book that we're going to talk about if 
all of these first issues are going to kind of be like that, getting to the point and getting, you know, establishing everything that you need for the book within the first issue. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, any, anything else you want to say about this before we get to the next one? Um, I just, I just want to say that I, I feel like, I feel like one of the the hard parts of this, and I totally understand what you're saying, Zach. This didn't feel like Hickman, but I also like Vince. I think I was pretty happy that it didn't feel like Hickman in a lot of ways. I think that we we're gonna have to really, and it's too early to say this yet. We're gonna have to figure out just how Hickman this line is going to be, because the first the first thing we got from the Hickman X books were all Hickman written stuff. So every week we were getting this right. big dose of Hickman. I think it's gonna be really interesting to see six months down the road how much Hickman's influence is felt in every issue. Not on the overall landscape, but on every issue. So Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Alright, well let's talk about the last issue then, and that is Excalibur number one Written by uh, Tinny Howard, illustrated by Marcus Toe. Uh, for DC Three Cast fans, Marcus Toe illustrated most of that great Red Robin run <laughs> from before the New Fifty Two, which you should all go back and check out. Uh, Zach, what do you think of this issue? Uh, so I think this is maybe my favorite Dawn of X book so far. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Why? Um. It just has a lot of cool stuff that I like in it. I mean, I've I've always really liked Captain Britain stuff, but have not really. I mean, other than I guess like you know that Paul Cornell series and um, you know some of Reminder's stuff, I haven't read a lot of Captain Britain. Um, so I think like tying this and like the magic side of things into Hickman's X books is really interesting. I think grounding it with apocalypse is really interesting because apocalypse is like easily the most interesting in my opinion like the most interesting character in the xbox right now because he's just kind of such a wild card um and then um kind of repositioning you know x psylocke now only betsy braddock now captain britain i i think that is a that whole thing is just really interesting and the way it's handled throughout the book um is really good and then also just the cast the core cast i think is one of the most interesting ones to me well let's talk about that core cast a little bit so um you know we have uh the former psylocke now captain britain we have jubilee we have Apocalypse, we have Rogue and Gambit, and who, I'm forgetting one more. I think it's Richter. Okay. Um, so this is a collection of, I feel like, characters that are very polarizing X-Men. <laughs> like, people yeah. either love or hate Gambit, uh, same with Jubilee. Uh, but I think that putting them together is a really interesting idea, and... I think that having Betsy as the the centerpiece of it and Betsy going by Captain Britain especially is a nice way of sort of connecting the the past 
of this so much of this so much of the Hickman books have been about recontextualizing the past of the X-Men into what he is building to the future and I think that this book more than any of the others how can I put this uh just allows that allows that past to shine through really clearly and adds a really fun really unique element to these this book just feels this feels the most challenging to the status quo so far i guess is what i'm saying yeah yeah i think so and you know this doesn't really i mean i would say that this feels more hickmany than um marauders does but it also feels like distinctly different from x-men and from hawksbox i think mm-hmm. um again like going down to like looking at the way that data pages are used you know here it's used to like um you know it's kind of like weird pseudo recap but also like sh- having you know magical texts and things um it's very different than the than the Hawks Pox data pages, um, and I the focus is just really even outside of the scope of Hawks Pox. I think. Yeah, can't argue with that. Um, we should I say, like, in, in the interest of full disclosure, Vince did not have time to read this issue. We're not just purposely ignoring Vince right now. <laughs> yeah, um, we are. Huh? So. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that sort of my takeaway from the first three issues of of Dawn of X is I am surprised both in good and bad ways how it doesn't just feel like an extension of House of X and Powers of Ten. It feels like something new, and that's a good thing. But I also worry that some of the things that made me love those two books are not going to necessarily be found in all these other books. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like, at least for me, I think there are going to be things that weren't in those books that I'm going to like, yes. like in this book, you know, in the case of this book. Yeah. I can agree with that. All right. Well, well, thanks for listening to our first, uh, our first installment of uh, imagine, uh, imagine what if Stan Lee created the DC three cast. We'll be back you're every welcome. month. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> we'll be back every month to uh, talk more about these books. So back to you, Kev.